We're getting into our, our message today, and I want to start it again by saying good morning, church. If you're new or joining us online uh, and you're not familiar with who I am, despite people seeing me from long distances away today and people bringing stuff up, I was told I had a good tan, all this stuff. <laughs> My name is Sean Boss, and, and I love Jesus, just saying. I love Jesus. Um, he is is my savior, my friend, and uh, my consistent presence in my life, and I believe I'm up here with this awesome opportunity that I get to have whenever I have it to, to bring a message for us on Sunday morning, and it, it's Jesus who, who gets the credit for that. Um, as we get into our message, as pra- Pastor Braden's indicated, he, he mentioned this last week, um, things are going to be a little bit different uh, going forward for the next couple of months, um, specifically in the area of the Sunday morning message. We're taking a break in our series that we've been on, this Gospel of John series, and I get to kick off what we're calling a a series of topical messages that are going to see us all the way through the summer months. Now, for those wondering why we'd be taking a break in our series of John, and if you've been with us and you've been tracking with us every message along the way, you may be thinking, why are we taking this break? We're we're growing and we're learning so much. It's, It's had such a positive impact on my life. Why would we be taking this break right now? And I I want you to know specifically that it's your fault. (laughs) It's all your fault. (laughs) But it's it's your fault in a good way. It's your fault in a good way because as as a a part of the leadership and and hearing the heart and knowing the heart of the leadership, it's your best interest that they have in mind that's kind of, to to use a sporting analogy, brought, brought about this stoppage in play. Because with the summer months, just literally days around the corner, um, we know that over the course of this season, there's going to be things, there's going to be events that happen in your life. I'll call them distractions because some of the things that happen in your life over the course of the summer really could be described as, you know, I'm distracted right now. And it's these kinds of distractions that we're all going to go through over the course of the summer, maybe at one point or at several points. And it's going to have us kind of in this plug-and-play situation where we're plugging and playing, so to speak, in, in our church fellowship and in our church community. And, and when that happens, sometimes it can happen for extended periods of time. So knowing this and knowing how important the, the, the messages have been in the Gospel of John, anytime we're doing a deep dive on the Gospel, every message is important. And because we know that and because we know that the summer months are, are, are really different than any other months that are a part of any other season. Um, it's been important. The leadership's felt it important to say, you know what, we need to take a break because we don't want to see anybody get left behind and we don't want to see anybody miss out when it comes to the context and the messages that are being preached in John. So that being said, this is week one of our topical series. And when I was asked to to kick this off, I kind of found myself thinking, hmm, okay, what would I want to say? God, what do you want to say? And I, and I found myself really reflecting on the reason we were taking this break in the first place. You know, th- this, this reality that, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a stop in our Gospel of John series. We're going in a different direction. And I found myself really dwelling on these summer months. And more specifically, the, this reality that, you know, what is it about the summer that has us needing to take a break. You know, what is it about the summer months that has a lot of church fellowships saying, you know what, we need to stop, we're going to change directions for a few months, and then we're going to come back. What is it about summer that does that? And I grabbed a hold of that thought, and when I did, the floodgates for this message really opened up. Because there's so many 
summer season parallels that I'll call them. There are so many parallels that are witnessed in the, during the summer months and in that season that really parallel the walk of a Christian in the life that we have as Christian believers. And in reflection on that and in prayer, I really felt the Spirit saying, you know, this would be a really good time for, this would be a really good start for the body to camp on these parallels. Okay? Summer, camp. Did I just make a play on words there? <laughs> but that's the reality. And getting serious, um, taking stock of these summer season similarities, there are many that we as Christians can relate to, and it's these similarities that I want us to lean into. I want us to identify them. I want us to understand them. And from there, I want us to, to take the steps that we need to as believers and as a body to protect those similarities, those Christian fellowship parallels that we see in the summer season. And then as we protect them, that we prioritize and protect ourselves, um, which I really feel like is going to lead us into the heart of what's going to be our message today. So that being said, who here remembers the word I said I wanted us to hang on to? I maybe told you I didn't want you to hang on to it, but it was kind of like a key buzzword. And it was the word distractions. I want you to hang on to that word. Um, I don't believe I said that or gave you that instruction, but that's the instruction now. Hang on to that word. Remember that word because it's going to become a real focal point of our message as we get into it. So the first parallel that comes to mind that I want to really talk about when thinking about the summer is the temperature and specifically the cause of the temperature. You see, if we were to look at the, the axis of the earth and the rotation of the earth around the sun, and if we were to follow the solstice, they call them, depending on one's geographic location, you may actually find yourself further away from the sun in June than you are in December. You may not really know that, but it was a surprise when I started to look at it. It may be a surprise for you, but luckily for, for us and where we're located geographically on the map, we actually rotate closer to the sun in June than we do in December, and, and of course I'm happy about that. I mean, I'm dressed. You may be looking and saying, Deeper, Sean, you spoke about Father's Day in the beginning. Look at how you're dressed. I kind of have an idea of what you may be doing. You may be thinking, he's golfing. That's a summer season activity. And yes, I'd like to golf, but my daughter gave me this new shirt for Father's Day, and I wanted to wear it. I'm not going to be golfing today, but like I said, it's a summer season activity that we do during this time that you wouldn't be doing in December unless you were crazy. <laughs> but... In rea with the reality that we are closer to the sun during this time, there are some, there are some incredible benefits that we reap um, in many ways being closer to the sun. According to medicalnewstoday.com, of all the health benefits that the sunlight brings, one of the main ones is the production of vitamin D in our body. That's probably the best known. And in God's goodness and in his design, he's designed vitamin D for our benefit for several reasons. It helps, it helps support healthy bones. It helps to manage calcium levels in our body. It reduces inflammation, which is good if you, if you struggle with like illnesses like fibromyalgia and whatnot. The sun is often really good for helping with that. It supports the immune system. I mean, really, when we look at it, when it, the benefits we get from vitamin D, and specifically the vitamin D created as a result of our being closer to the sun, the list goes on. And that's not even talking about the mental health boosts we get when we, when, we are in this time of, when we are in this time of the season, the, mental, it's, the sun's impact on our mental health during these months is great. And you guys are probably thinking, man, what a lesson. I feel like I'm in school. This is great. 
I'm not really a good teacher when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> but just as we benefit from being close to the Son, do we ever benefit, church? Do we ever benefit from being close to the Son of God? The closer we are to the Son of God, there are great benefits. Psalm 65, verse 4 says, Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and of your holy temple. You see, church, there's blessing and there's satisfaction that's found in the Son of God and being close to him. And I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. This isn't what I'm saying. Hey, you, you, if you're, the closer you are to God, you're going to get this, 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 and this. That's not at all what I'm talking about because when we look at what this scripture verse says specifically, and specifically how the verse ends, it references the goodness of God's house, the goodness of his holy temple, and what was accomplished for us in Jesus' church. Our ability and our position in God's house have you ever said that line, my house is your house? Hey, man, while you're here, treat my house like it's your house. That's Jesus for us. As Christians eternally, we're gonna, we get there. We get to experience that, the eternal here. And even more than that, we'll experience that when we get home. His house is our house. It's huge. Closeness with Jesus takes away the temporal, and it replaces the eternal. And it's the eternal where our hope is found. That hope that I have in my heart, that anticipation that I have in my heart for the home that he has for me. Jesus says he's gone to prepare it. And it's a hope that I have every, it's a hope that I have for you. That each one of you have that home that Jesus is preparing for you as well. It's dependent on our closeness with God. The second season parallel that I find that comes to mind when I was thinking about the summer is the amount of time that it shines over us. We're talking about daylight time. Not only do we enjoy the sun's closeness, but we enjoy it for longer periods of time in the summer. I was thinking about this yesterday. It, 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 for the past three years, me and a friend of mine, we've been able to stand on the 18th green at, green at quarter to 10, teeing off. It's like we get there at 7 o'clock. Man, I don't think we're going to get 18 in. Yeah, we are. We did this last year. <laughs> We get to enjoy this, the daylight of the sun or the, the, the sun's light for longer periods of time. And this is hugely beneficial. I mean, let's just be practical here for a minute, church. Who gets more done in the dark? I don't. To sum up most of the tasks we do, I'm sure any of you or maybe all of you would agree that the majority of those things get done in the daytime. And when we run out of daylight, we're, we're left trying to plan for the next day so that we can get those things that we didn't get done done because we need the, day, the light of the day to do it. We're looking forward to the next day. And it makes sense just thinking about that from a safety perspective. A lot of the things we do, we wouldn't want to do in the dark because they could put us in danger if we even tried. Staying on that safety thought for a moment, whom doesn't feel like they're safer during the day compared to the darkness of the night? I mean, practically, again, we tend to be able to tell where we're going a little bit more in the light of the day than we do at night. Now, if you ask my wife, she's going to tell you a different story. She, she may say, Sean, you, you don't know where you're going in the day or the night. <laughs> but I just, I don't mind being the butt of a joke. But the reality is for, for most, I certainly hope that it's true, that you do, you do tend to know where you're going more in the day than you do at night. From a crime statistics perspective, most of the serious violent crimes happen at night. And this is a point that we find highlighted by Solomon 
in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He speaks of those kinds of people who like to lie in wait in the dark to come upon some helpless soul and, and smother them, just like to, to cover them like the darkness of the grave, to swallow them up like the grave. It's an example of, of the darkness, if I've ever heard one, when I, when I think about it and the fear that might go along with it. But compared to the light that's found in the Son of God, fear gets to be put in its place. Those things that happen in the dark from a malicious perspective, we can put them in place in light of Jesus and what he's accomplished. John chapter 12, verses 35 through 36 says this. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. That Proverbs moment. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. We know that. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. You see, in the time Jesus spent on the earth, he was light to the world. And as we're going to learn in John chapter 8, when we get back into our John series at the beginning of the fall, we're going to learn that Jesus is the light of the world. And I'm not going to spend any time on that, but when we get back into our John series, we're going to explore that truth to its fullest extent. For now... The light found in a longer day for us is beneficial, but compared to the light that we have in Christ, there's no comparison. Jesus says anyone walking in darkness, and I'm talking about the darkness that is the result of a sin-led life. If If your life is trapped in sin, that is a light that is a dark life. And when you're in that situation, it's hard to know which where you're going. Like I said, it's hard to figure out what direction you should take when you're in the dark. You're walking blind, and outside of Christ, you will not be able to find your way out. Because the reality of sin is that it turns the lights out. That's what sin does. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm going to knock your lights out? That's what sin does, is it, it takes the lights out. But in Christ, the lights are on. In Jesus, the lights get turned on. The lights don't go out. And this is a truth that Jesus is sharing with us. In Christ is eternal light. There's no darkness, period. And that's even when you die. You're thinking, what are you talking about, Sean, here? Let's be real here. You know, you go on the ground. I don't know where the light is there. It'd be pretty dark. But the reality is, is when we die, because of Christ in his perfect light, in our eternal state, the lights don't go out. And I would encourage you, if you're like, oh, Sean, I, I need to hear you preach a little longer on that point. I can't spend any more time on that, but I would encourage you to look at Revelation chapter 21 because the truth of the scope and impact, the depth, the length of the light of Jesus is revealed in there. And again, it comes back to our eternal home. But living without him, for us now, living without him, walking without him, we're in the dark and for anyone to feel safe, Jesus is throwing down the gauntlet on this point. You will be overtaken. You will be swallowed up by darkness and you won't be able to get out but through him. As Christians and as a church, we, we accomplish his will and we get things done in his light. We avoid the trappings of sin in his light and it's his light that shines, that shines on the temptation that's often the root or gives birth to sin. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter, or 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has seized you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability 
or what you can bear. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, the way out, that you may be able to endure it, that you may be able to overcome it. We are not alone, church, and we don't have to be afraid of the dark. Like this verse says, when the temptation comes, it's not anything that you're going to go through that no one else has gone through. But when it comes about, because of the light of Jesus, you're going to be able to see it, and more importantly, you're going to be able to recognize it so that you can avoid it. It may be a decision that needs to be made, or it may be a specific direction you have to go in. I remember when I was in Guatemala, I'll never forget this. Um, the first or second time I was in Guatemala, I can't remember. We're, we're, we're driving back from uh, the lake area, and we just get around Antigua, which is, is close to Guatemala City. It actually used to be the capital of Guatemala City, and we get there, we're making our way back into the city, and uh, all of a sudden we came in, we drive right into this riot. It, it, it felt like a riot, but it was actually the country and the culture celebrating the Day of the Dead. So it felt pretty scary. The streets were surrounded, guns are going off, fireworks and everything. And the driver, Juan, actually kept going straight. And I remember Mike saying, Juan, Juan, he could speak Spanish, I can't. You need to make a right, you need to go that way. And Juan didn't speak English, but he did say this, I want to live. See, if he hadn't made that right-hand turn during that time of the day with what was going on, we're in complete darkness, and it would have been dangerous. He wanted to stay in the light, and he drove in that direction, and thankfully he did. You know, some guys like the adventure. Let's do it anyway. I'm not that guy. <laughs> Let's stay in the light. And, um, Lori, you'll like this because you love all my movie quotes. I think of Jeff Goldblum in the movie Jurassic Park when he said, Life finds a way. For us as Christians, Jesus shines the way. We want to be in the light of Christ. When someone says, I want to live, yes, we're going that way. <laughs> the final summer season parallel that I found when I was looking at this, and I'm not saying this is the only one. There are many um, Christian biblical parallels that we can glean from the, the summer season. The three I'm talking about are the ones that God, I really felt God pressing on me. It's probably the most obvious out of any of them. It's the growth that's witnessed during the summer season. It's the growth that's experienced all around us. And more than that, it's the rate at which the growth takes place in the summertime. It's this parallel specifically that has me truly fascinated. When I broaden my scope on this, and I think about the seasons from the spring to the fall. If you talk to anyone in the, agri in the agricultural business or farmers they'll tell you that those are the seasons where growth happens this is where it starts this is where it finishes but specifically the most intense and rapid growth happens during the summertime and it's it's it happens the closer we are to the sun and the more light we get two points that we talked about when we're close to the sun and when the light is shining you can expect expect growth and you can expect it rapidly now, you're, you're probably thinking to yourselves, I know where we're going with this one, Sean. It's an easy point. Wrap it up quick. Let's keep going. But I, want to, I really want to expand my thoughts on this because I'm going to go in maybe a little bit of a different direction that you might be thinking. Because growth is vital when we look at all the things that God's created. There is growth that has to happen, not just for us to flourish, but everything God created 
for it to flourish. And when it happens rapidly, great things happen. And I'm specifically speaking to God's creation because when we look at God's creation, he tells us through his word that it's his creation that reveals to us that he's present and that he exists. Romans, 1 verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Excuse. It's in how things have been made and in how things are made to function that we, as God's created people, see and experience him. And for me, it's like, leave it to the word. Leave it to God to tell us truth that science is just coming up, catching up to now. Leave it to God's word to tell us the way it's been all along, right? Only God does that. I, I love it every time it happens. There has to be a creator in all this. Science is catching up to that now. I mean, things are so intricate. They're so delicate. They're so amazing when we look deep at them that there's no way it happens by chance. And what do I mean by science is finally catching up to it? They're saying things like, oh, it's intelligent design. They've created this term. It's just so complex now. We have to get away from this evolutionistic mindset and start to consider intelligent design, but we as Christians know it's Jesus, and it's always been Jesus. Amen? I can't express it enough how revealing this is to me, church. Just think about the month of February as an example. <laughs> Who here doesn't think death in February? I do. My clubs glow in the closet, I think of death. And never more so than when, when February rolls around. I mean, the colors, the smells, the sights, Everything looks dead. Then, as if it's out of the blue, we get closer to the sun. The light shines for longer. Then what happens? Colors come back. Things smell different. And we go from death to life. We go from death to life. Everything is alive. It's growing again. It's growing at a rapid rate. And for me, it's like, this is the way it always should be. Summer should always exist. <laughs> Paralleling this to the life of the believer... It's, it's truth without question. It's absolute truth without question. Relationship, discipleship, stewardship, all the fruits of the Spirit, every bit of that is depending on one's closeness to Jesus and his light shining down on us consistently. When a person's close to him, when his light's shining on us, you can expect, we can expect growth. And we can even expect it to happen at rapid rates. It's seen in the life of a believer. It's seen in the life of a church. It's our hope here at the harbor. Ephesians 4, verses 15 through 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love. So this is the writer saying, you know, I want to speak this truth to you in love. I don't want to hammer this home in an, in an angry fashion. I want you to hear this in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Starts out with love, ends it with love. God's desire for the church and for the believer is growth. Incredible growth, and it's possible. But as is the case with the sun in the summer, 
our growth is, again, dependent on our closeness to Jesus. If we're distant with Jesus in relationship, and if we're distant with our brothers and sisters in fellowship and in community, we're, you can expect and you should be afraid of, of those experiences that farmers go through when there's not enough sun, when there's not enough light. You're going to experience little, if any, growth at all. And we don't want that. As Jesus said, we're to grow in him, and we're all growing together. And when the body grows together, amazing things happen, and we see growth. And it's, again, our desire here at the Harbor Church. This is the desire of the leadership. And it should be, because this is what God calls us to do. So in saying all that, you may be thinking, great, Sean, what a great message. Thank you for setting up my summer. Thank you for giving me these, these parallels that I can hang on to that will see me through the summer and keep me positive and thinking good things while my skin's burning. <laughs> In saying all that truth, I, I, I'm here to tell you, though, there's a different reason I'm bringing these parallels to our attention. There's a different reason I feel that God has, has put these truths on me to share with you, and it's going to bring about a different context. It's a different context that I feel needs attention. And I hear you. You may be thinking. It's one of those things, man, I hear you. You don't have to say it, but I can tell. (laughs) Sean, you've preached this long already, and we're not even into the context. We're going to be here while Braden, more meat. (laughs) I hear it. And in saying that, I want you to know that um, we're moving along, church. We're moving along. It's not as far off to the end as you might think. And I want, you to th- I want to thank you for tracking with me so far. But it's a context that we need to look at. In receiving, accepting, and desiring to be closer to Jesus, there's something that's experienced in church during the summer months that I find sad. It's a really sad experience, especially, oh, slip of the tongue here, especially when we think about the plans that the leadership has for the fall and when the plans a lot of churches and fellowships have for the fall. They get to this time of summer, and for some of them, it can be a time of angst. And when we look at statistics, we re- it's, it's, it's something that is, is tangible. It's a truth that needs to be addressed. It's a truth that needs to be addressed. The verses bringing context to today's message are found in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, and they read as follows. As they were walking along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, he said to another man, follow me. The man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the dead bury their own dead. You, however, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me bid farewell to my family. Then Jesus declared, and he's, he's speaking to everybody at this point now. He wants everybody to hear this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So in reading these verses, church, they can all be summed up with that one word. Who here remembers the word I wanted you to hang on to? Distractions. Distractions. And it's funny, Braden said that, I think, at the end of maybe the second song or what something he said. He brought it up and I was like, they have no idea. <laughs> Distractions, that's right. It's a word... It's the word I asked you to hang on on to earlier, and I'm wondering, I was wondering if you would remember, and you did. 
The verses found in Luke 9 can be summed up with that one word, and Jesus is calling them, but they've got other things on their mind. And I have to ask, are we any different? How many times have you felt God put it on your heart, you need to do this, you need to speak to that person, you need to you know, repent of that sin or, or be involved in that mission, whatever it is, and, and something has come up in your life and you're like, ah, oh, gosh, I want to do that, but the timing's not right. Your mind is elsewhere. You're distracted and an opportunity gets missed. Jesus calls us to follow him, but like those Jesus was speaking to, we can be easily distracted as well. And the summer season can be filled with that. Coming back to the parallels, we've done a lot of great work leading up to this summer, this season. When I think about all the ground we've covered in our Gospel of John series and in the 242 ministry and the Friday, the Friday morning and Friday afternoon activity, there's so many different things that are going on in our church. We've, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. A lot of ski, seed has been planted. A lot of seed has been scattered. And there's a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement for growth here in our fellowship. But, as often happens in churches, bodies in the summer can get distracted. And and when we look at some of the statistics, churchanswers.com calls what's seen in fellowships during the summer, they call it the summer slump. As if that actually exists in churches, but it's a reality. They call it the summer slump. And what does this mean? There's an on average 20% decline in all areas that are vital to growth in discipleship in a church, and in a believer. This means everything from attendance to community groups to small groups to Bible studies to home groups to giving. And depending on the church that you belong to and its geographical location, the impact can be as much as 50%. But for us looking at the average, on average, it's a 20% negative that has some churches happening to start all over. Some churches, when they get to the fall, have to go right back to the basics, including teaching. When fall arrives, they have to go right back to the beginning. People have been disconnected. They may have gone through a lot. They may have been distracted. They may have been hurt. We need to go back to the fundamentals here and build everybody back up. We may even need to rebuild the foundation. And it's a lament that I hear when I think about what churches go through in the fall and what we don't want to go through, what we want to avoid in light of all the growth we made. It's a lament that I hear in Hebrews chapter 5 when the writer of Hebrews reminds and warns believers of falling away. The writer says in verses 11 through 14 of Hebrews 5, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. You're so distracted, you're not even trying. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God, God's word, all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, consistency, no break, no matter the time, no matter the season, through constant use, train themselves to distinguish good from evil. Because it's that consistency in those areas that are vital for us as a church and a believer that enables us, trains us, equips us, shines the light on those things that will trap us and trip us. We're able to differentiate good from evil, the right from the left, the direction, the fork in the road, and the decision that needs to be made in the direction that we have to go in. 
As I read this verse, these verses, it's totally in line what we've been talking about so far, so far this morning in that they were a body that wasn't growing and they weren't trying. They haven't broken fellowship, church. That's not what the writer's saying here. There's no break in fellowship, but there's definitely an issue in its distraction that's bringing about the problem. And for us as the, in the harbor again, we don't want that to be your experience, and we don't want to go through that as we work our way through the months of the summer. It's not what we want for your life. So in saying that truth, and in looking at some of those sad statistics, one of the things I want you to know is that I'm not here to rain on your parade. I'm not here to be a killjoy. I know many of you may be excited and looking forward to the summer because you have activities and plans and family events that you're looking forward to. And I'm here to say I'm doing the same. I'm excited for the summer months. And I know there's going to be plug and play in my life. But as the writer wrote to the, to the Hebrew church or those, the Hebrews, he wrote to warn believers against falling away. I want to do the same. And I know the leaders do as well because we love you. We love you so much to even risk a decline in the growth. Even if it's 1%, forget the 20%, we don't want to see a negative of one because that could be hugely impactful in your life. We don't want you to get distracted. We don't want you to get hurt over the summer so that you end up, you know, having that moment. Have you guys ever ever been a part of something and then you disconnect for a while? You're not present for a month or a few weeks and... And then as you get geared up, you get excited, you want to connect again, and you're thinking, ah, I haven't been there in a while. I know there's going to be a bunch of people that are, are like, hey, Sean, where you been? How you been? We haven't seen you in a while. We're worried about you. We miss you. I know I've, been, I've gone through that in my life, and that's not an experience that we want you to go through, and it's not an experience that you have to go through if you prioritize four things that I'm going to get into here next. As we gear up figuratively and literally for what we pray will be a, se- a season of spiritual growth and refreshment, there are four areas that I, I want to get into very shortly, not at any great length because they're so simple and so basic, you're probably going to say to yourself, Sean just took us to church for dummies. <laughs> you ever seen one of those dummy books? Like, there's Sean's picture. He just walked us through it. But there are, these are four things for us that I really feel if we understand them, we remember them and we prioritize them. Whatever happens during the summer for you and wherever you find yourself, connection, growth, and movement is going to be seamless when we get to the fall. The first thing I want to highlight to ensure that we have a harvest this fall for the kingdom is to stay in prayer. Braden talked about that earlier when he talked about prayer. Like, you know, we want to be praying at all times for anything. No prayer is too small. No prayer is too great. If it's prayer, we want to do it. And if it's prayer, when it comes to prayer, we want you doing it and being proactive in that, in that, that lifestyle that God has for us. Because when we pray, prayer is our conversation with God. It's how we develop our personal, meaningful relationship with the creator of the universe who loves us. And when we look at 1 John 4, verse 8, if you've been here long enough, you'd hear this verse all the time. That verse says, God is love. And you can feel that love as you speak with him and as you pray to him and seek his guidance over your life. It's that theme of love. God wants to love us through it. So prayer is vital. The second thing is to stay in the word of God. We know how vital the word of God is because we use it. It is what we speak from every Sunday when we're here. And when we leave here, it's what leads our life. 
Staying in the word is absolutely vital. Studying scripture helps us to know our triune God, our Father, Jesus, and his Holy Spirit. It gives us power to resist temptation, and it strengthens us in our challenges because we know, as Paul wrote, in this world we'll have trouble. So because we know there's going to be trouble, what can we do to be proactive to either avoid it or to strengthen us to get through it? And this is where the word of God comes in. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. We have to hear the word of God to to receive the gift of faith that God gives us to face those struggles and to navigate those decisions. The word of God is our compass. We can't live without it. Can't live without prayer. Can't live without God's word. The third thing I want to highlight for us is the need to stay connected. Now, there are so many ways, church, to stay connected here at the harbor. Your presence here on Sunday isn't the only way to get connected, to get informed, and to get filled up. Ministry and outreach are going to continue during the summer months because the gospel's not going to stop. It may look different, as Braden's talked in in, in some of our announcements, and as we'll continue to speak in announcements, but ministry's not going to stop. So if ministry is not going to stop, if you're not here on Sunday, the messages are posted online so that you can hear them and stay caught up, stay connected. But because ministry isn't going to stop, and because we know that, there are also going to be things to do. There are ways to continue to give financially, and there are ways to continue to give of your time, to serve, to stay connected with your brothers and sisters. If you need any information on that, I mean, Braden gives us the announcements on Sunday, but you don't need to wait for Sunday to get the announcements. You can check online, our Facebook. You can connect with Braden. You can connect with me or any of the other, other leaders here. We'll absolutely be excited to tell you about everything that's going on in the summer so that you can stay connected. Because we don't want to, the leadership doesn't want to, you to, again, go through that 20% decline. We don't want anybody to experience 1% decline because that 1% could have a ripple effect. Or it could, it could be that 1% that's hugely impactful. And we love you too much to see that happen. And the last thing I want to highlight in our message for today, see, I told you, stay with me, let's track, let's grow, we're getting there. The last thing I want to highlight, as far as a vital priority for you to, to take account of and to hang on to as we go through the summer, and as the band comes forward, I'll invite the band to come forward at this time, is to stay in community. Staying in community. So we have prayer, we have the word, we have staying connected, and we have staying, staying in community. With all the technology we have today, and there are so many ways, staying in community and, and, and maintaining fellowship is not as hard as you might think. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. It's kind of like when the summer comes, it's like, school's out, break's out, I'm disconnecting from everything, I need to. In, in, in scripture and in the life of a believer, we know that's not healthy. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't get into that habit. Many people have that habit of just dropping off the face of the earth. You don't know where they are and you're putting their picture on milk cartons. <laughs> the writer of Hebrews doesn't want that to be your habit. But encouraging one another... And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day being Christ coming back. As Lauren said when he was up here to give us that encouragement. 
Jesus is coming back. That's the end of the book. We want to anticipate that, but we want to be ready for it. And community is a big part of that preparation. So prioritizing connecting and community with your brothers and sisters is, is huge. If you're away on Sundays, I would encourage you to wherever you are, if there's a God-fearing, Bible-preaching church, get connected to that church. Go to that church. Be filled up. Listen to the word. And then bring it back to us so that we can be encouraged by it. If you're home, make a phone call. As Paul says in the book of Acts, if you have to, go door to door. Whatever you need to do or whatever you're doing this summer, prioritize staying in community. Because when all of these things, prayer, the word, connecting and community, when they're all prioritized, when we get to the fall, everybody's going to be ready to, to hit all cylinders. There's going to be no gaps. There's going to be, we have to go back to the basics. We have to rebuild our foundation. No, the foundation's built. It's solid. Now we're building rooms. You know, maybe it's a bathroom. I don't know. I talked to my wife. We're looking at moving. Bathroom's important. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is, we're going to be ready for it. And I know church. Like I said, you may be thinking, Sean, you just walked us through church for, through dummies here. But these are the priorities that we always want to be speaking of from the pulpit and when we're discipling and when we're disciple making because this is what discipleship's about and to be effective disciple makers this is what we have to be ministering to other people because they are those vital aspects of your life that prevent you and prevent a church from falling away no matter what the season is I'm picking on summer because it's just around the corner but these things can happen in your life and they can happen in a church at any time and in any season. And we want these to be the priorities of our life and of our church at all times so that we can again continue on that growth track. We don't want to have to say, you know what, this is the season of the church where we're going to grow. I can't wait till we get to that season again. This next two or three seasons, it's going to be a drag. No, we want to anticipate growth in every season. So you will always hear the leaders prioritize prayer, prioritize God's word, prioritize connection, and prioritize community. Because it's vital and it's absolutely beneficial to the life of the believer who wants to stay on a growth track. And I know I do, right church? Amen? Yes. So thank you for tracking me. And as Jesus said, and as the writer of Hebrews says, we minister these things in love. We minister all those priorities, all those parallels, and all those warnings in love. That's Jesus' mission, and that's ours. So amen, church. Amen.